If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mark and Sarah talk about shoot. Hello, fellow teens. I'm Mark Blankenship, and this is episode 240 of Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. This week, we are going to be ranking every song on the soundtrack to the seminal 90s film Clueless. And with me, as ever, to help in that ranking process and to explain to you what the hell that means, if you're new to this particular convenience store, is Sarah D. Bunting. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Mark. Thank you for that elegant segue. That was not way harsh. (laughs) I can drive. (laughs) And you're not a virgin. Uh, More on that next week. For now, here's how our ranking episodes work. We go through the album in question, in this case, the Clueless soundtrack, in track order. In this case, we have added a track, Just a Girl, which was in the movie but not on the official soundtrack for reasons that are horrifying to contemplate. As we talk about each uh, song, we assign it a point value from 1 to 15 in this case. So our number one song gets 15 points, number two song gets 14 points, etc. and so on. Mark gives the points, I give the points, and our Patreon supporters also assigned points to each song. We'll add them all together and magical math das will occur, and uh, then we'll tell you the best and worst at the end. These have the force of law. Did I miss Hands anything? Hands down they do. And if you are not currently a Masters patron, we would love to have you so that you can not only vote in our ranking episodes, but also listen to special monthly content and join our online happy hours. So you can become a patron at patreon.com slash And for those who are following along at home, here's a quick preview of the songs we'll be discussing today. Kids in America by The Muffs. Just a Girl by No Doubt, Shake Some Action by Cracker, The Ghost in You by Counting Crows, Here by Luscious Jackson, All the Young Dudes by World Party, Fake Plastic Trees by Radiohead, Change by the Lightning Seeds, Need You Around by Smoking Popes, Mullethead by the Beastie Boys, Where'd You Go by the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, Rollin' With My Homies by Coolio, All Right by Supergrass, My Forgotten Favorite by Velocity Girl, and Supermodel by Jill Sobule. And Sarah, before we jump into talking about these songs individually i'd like to if we may talk about the universal experience of listening to this soundtrack sure so 
Clueless is currently streaming on HBO Max. I rewatched it in preparation for this. I hadn't seen it in quite some time, but definitely have seen it at least eight times now. Mm-hmm. And holy shit, does this movie still bring me a lot of pleasure. And I will say, I didn't own this soundtrack. I am so glad that we are talking about it now because it is, I think, exceptional, Sarah. I don't think every song on this soundtrack is great, but the the cumulative experience of this soundtrack is, I think, so deeply pleasurable. Yeah. And I think it really hangs together quite well. I think it does, too. There were no songs on here that I hated. Oh, um, well, we're different in that way. Okay. <laughs> Neat. Um, th- well, I mean, this is why we do these episodes. And totally. do not consult beforehand. Um, I, and now I'm a little afraid, based on the clips that you asked <laughs> for so uh, um but yeah it really does and it's constructed smartly it sometimes in soundtracks they like construct the soundtrack in a different way or in a different order to what the order they appeared in in the film and uh in this case i think it's a much closer match and much Mm -hmm. more evocative of the rhythm of the movie as you're listening i think they were smart about um, like certain songs are covers, so there's a, a timelessness to the proceedings. Um, other songs are extremely 90s, but in this very um, friendly, welcoming way. Mm-hmm. Even if it's like, oh my God, remember when everything was scarified and how, you know, this is how we lived. <laughs> but uh, I I found it very pleasurable. Like some of it is... Like it's of its time, but it's not very dated. And rewatching the movie, which I've probably seen 12 times, similar. Like you have a couple of problematic personalities. You have a couple of things that don't totally like work for 2021 sensibilities. But on the whole, it's, I mean, it's aged really well and is very, yes. um, it's, uh, rightfully confident in its own story possibly because said stories from the 19th century and has good bones so yeah yeah i agree with you that you know maybe christian's character would be a bit different if we Uh were to have this movie made today um but i feel like again like you said by and large this is this is a movie that holds up really well and oh my god i know it's the most cliche thing to say but is this like the best costume design of the nineties outside of maybe Priscilla yes. queen of the desert? Like, holy shit. Yeah. And the, the hotties in it are like still hot. I mean, was Jeremy Sisto ever more fuckable than he is in this movie? Yeah. E- even though that character is despicable, but, and also Paul Rudd. <laughs> oh God. Woo! Like, you, you know, you're, you're too short for me, but I'm going to make the exception. I have to. <laughs> it's important. I will. I mean, we're not going to be standing up for very long anyway, so. (laughs) Fucking A. Uh, Okay, so another thing I'll say just as our final uh, prefacing statement, I think it's really interesting to be talking about a soundtrack like this because unlike many other film soundtracks that we've discussed on this show, there was no song from this soundtrack that became a huge hit. This album sold a million copies. It wasn't like it was a flop. But this, this was not one of those soundtracks where every time you turn on the radio here's stay by lisa loeb 
or here's something from the Flashdance soundtrack. This was a, this is a soundtrack album that we'll get into the fact that some of these songs were hits on like alternative radio, but there was really no crossover here. Mm-hmm. And instead, what you get is this really interesting look at bands who are about to be a big deal, or like you said, covers of older songs that have been updated to sound current for 1995. And I just think that that's it's nice to think of a soundtrack as a holistic unit the way that I find it easier to do here because there isn't that one song that you're like, oh yeah, that's the Clueless song. I I feel like it's enjoyable to think about this collection as really being a 15-part piece. Yeah. 15-part whole, you know what I mean. (laughs) Yeah, even though technically it's a 14-part whole, but um, we are are correcting the historical record by including Just a Girl. Um, So should we get into individual songs? Yes. Uh, so we're starting the first song on the soundtrack. And in fact, the very first song in the movie is the Muffs cover of Kim Wilde's Kids in America. And the what a great opening salvo for what we're going to get from the movie and the soundtrack, Sarah. That's what I will say. I agree. I slightly prefer the Kim Wilde version, but I think the scruffier production of the original um like that they glossed it up with this version. It pairs better with the content. Um, here's a little trivia for you. Uh, the Kim Wilde version is the signature song from the reckless soundtrack in which, mm. Hey, Dan Hedaya also played one of the dads. Oh shit. It's all, it's all connected. No accidents. Um, I've always liked the song. Uh, I associate it with like hotties in teen movies, um, either Aiden Quinn in Reckless or Sisto in Clueless. It's just it's just how I feel about the song. Um, I think that it's probably been overused now in soundtracks and they should just not use it for a while, especially in like period pieces about the 80s. But it's still a good song no matter who's doing it so this was my number six song 10 points and uh number six okay excellent and i i have a a soft spot in my heart for both versions Uh, i think it's really interesting to think about them in comparison because kim wilde's version has that chilly gary newman synth Mm -hmm. remove and that is definitely a way of talking about kids in america with a bit of irony oh yeah and uh, certainly for the early 80s, that makes sense. And then you've got the Muffs version, which is, I would say, just pure, joyous chaos. Yes. And that's also fair. Ca- candy vision is what I put in my notes. Totally. And you know, how perfect for Clueless that this is the version we get, because the irony and the too cool for school remove of the Kim Wilde version actually doesn't fit in the tone of Clueless. So it was a very agree. smart update. Yep, agree. And I love it, too. This song is very bouncy and very fun. I put it in fifth place, so just one above you, Sarah, and it gets 11 points from me. But here's something I was not anticipating. The patrons put it all the way at number one, 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 one. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Like, huh. go ahead and get get your full American life. Uh, but I wasn't expecting that. Wow. The kids are going to be the presidents of America and the <laughs> soundtrack. So next we've got our... Track two, which is 
no doubt's Just a Girl. Now, Just a Girl appears very soon after Kids in America in the film. And in doing our research, Sarah and I read that No Doubt's record label refused to allow Just a Girl to be on the soundtrack because it was on a different record label. And it's hard to remember now, but this soundtrack came out before No Doubt was famous. So Mm -hmm. Just a Girl was just a few months away from being released as the lead single from the Tragic Kingdom album. And because of that cross-label competition, they refused to let Just a Girl have its rightful place. And Sarah, I think if this song had been on the Clueless soundtrack, not only would this be considered the song from the Clueless soundtrack, the Clueless soundtrack would have sold five times as many copies. Agree. And uh, we actually have a clip of Just a Girl, if I'm not mistaken. We do. Shall we hear it? Let's do. This pink ribbon off my eyes I'm exposed and it's no big surprise iconic iconic this video is so fun too like yes it was a mistake to not put it on the soundtrack proper but looking at gwen and how she's always just been such a boss i I don't know this is such a good song i love it i love all the evolutions of its different parts um that opening is iconic i just i think it's so great and i'm I'm glad that it is, at least in everyone's mind, still associated with this soundtrack. This is my number two song. Yes. So yes, 14 points. That's 14 points. And I mean, tell me when you're hearing that you cannot immediately see that white crop top and those Yes. Boots. And her giant shiny boots. And like, I love that this whole song is her inviting you to underestimate her. Yes. And then being like, oh, so you are going to fuck around. Well, enjoy finding out. So good. The fact that she's like pissed, but also not so pissed that she can't still have fun. Uh Uh-huh. It's just like, it's so good. And like you said, that, that guitar part, that, that, it's so fucking good. It puts me in such a good mood every time I hear it. Yeah. Same here. And I remember very clearly hearing this song for the first time because I remember thinking, fuck, this is like, I just remember being very excited that it was rebellious, but really fun because this was clearly a period in the mid nineties when a lot of rock and roll just wasn't a lot of fun. Yeah. And it, it really was that transition that it was like, there is technical like build competence here. Um, and the guitar, all the guitar parts are fantastic. Like the opener is not the only kind of legendary part of mm-hmm. guitar part here. Um, but uh, it's also like, I mean, it's it's serious about what it's trying to do, but it's also not that serious about that. It's like, it's just rock and roll, folks. Like, let's, let, let's remember what we're doing here, which is, you know, try to get laid and sing about love. <laughs> like, it's it's kind of like, honestly, I draw a line in my mind from this to Dua Lipa saying Sugar Boo in mm-hmm. Levitating. Yes. Just like, a, just like, have fun. And yeah. 
you know, Ska was such an obvious flash in the pan, even as it was popular, right? <laughs> like, I, I don't mean, think anybody I, thought Ska was college, the dumb. I was, uh, like, I, a close friend of mine was, like, obsessed with Ska, and Ska bands would come to my eating club, and, like, I had a skankin' pickle pin. Like, I didn't, I didn't care that much about it, but it brought her such obvious joy. So, like, I think Ska was around, but Ska was never meant to be mainstream i will talk right. about this later when we have to you know <laughs> wade through some ska but it just felt like poor save ferris was like so we're the ones who get to break through okay like everybody pass <laughs> the hat and let's split up these you know let's split up the the pot but uh yeah right. agree well and yes of course like madness was a band that was making ska music in like 1981 so clearly mm -hmm. it's not like it's not like the bands of this period invented it but what i meant was yes it clearly was not meant to be a permanent fixture on mainstream radio this genre but i definitely looking back now understand why it broke through like it did because the inclusion of those horns that messy punk attitude it all just felt like a nice cleansing of the self-seriousness of the previous few years. Yes. And no doubt is without a doubt ska at its best mainstream ska at its best. So I put this song in third place and gave it 13 points and the patrons put it in fourth place and gave it 12 points. So a very high showing all around for just a girl. Okay. Um, did you know the original version of our next song, Shake Some Action, which was released by a band called The Flame and Groovies in 1976? No, I didn't. And uh, I should check it out because the version released for this soundtrack was utterly featureless and dull, in my opinion. <laughs> like, the you know, Baby's First Green Day? Like, what even is this? Yeah, and I should say that the band Cracker who had a song called Low that was popular, mm -hmm. they are the ones who covered Shake Some Action for this soundtrack. Yeah, it just felt, we don't have a clip, um, but just imagine what a generic, like, play school um, presidents of the United States would sound like, and you you have it. You don't need to hear it. Just and my opinion. This was my um, last place song, one point. Oh, shit. Like Shots if you're more fired, boring like than it. fucking counting crows, you're doing it wrong. Sorry. <laughs> um, for me, the only word I can think of for this song is serviceable. <laughs> uh huh. And I did listen to the original version by the aforementioned and new to me group, uh, the Flame and Groovies. And yeah, God. Uh, Grile Marcus, who's one of those like rock critics who loves his own dick that had a lot of sway in the seventies. <laughs> he wrote about how this, the, the original version of this song teaches you what joy is or whatever the fuck. And I listened to it and I was like, this sounds exactly like the cracker version, <laughs> which is exactly nothing I'm ever going to want to listen to again. And honestly, Sarah, this is one of those songs that I could listen to it 15 times in a row and be like, have I ever heard this before? Yeah, and it's still not going to rise to the level of, like, loathing. It's just yeah. there. It's a who caresers, mm. as you've said before. <laughs> it is a, yep, it is capital W who careser. So you, um, I think, quite understandably, let that fuel this song's trip to the bottom. 
for me, it was just right there in the middle where where the Who Caresers live. So I put it in eighth place. And wow. Grudge, yeah, <laughs> I had some strong feelings on the other on the other end of this countdown. Let me assure you. Um, and I gave it eight points, and then the patrons put it in ninth place and gave it seven points. What? What are you guys doing? Well, I'll tell you what I'm doing, Sarah. I am saving my antipathy, my rage, my fury for the very next song oh, on this soundtrack, okay. <laughs> which is the Counting Crows' bloodless, dickless, joyless, lifeless cover of The Ghost in You by Psychedelic Furs. Now, before we get to the Counting Crows version, of for which we do not have a clip, Sarah, do you know the Psychedelic Furs original version of this song? Um, I don't, but... Um, I would like to note that my notes also said lifeless as well as sexless. Um, no one cares about your sad testicle grief is another note I took. Um, <laughs> someone's been in the Ferlinghetti again. It's another <laughs> note. I think I might respond to this better on a different day with a different vocal. Any other vocal is another note I had. Yes. Yeah, I just, Counting Crows are not for me, and I did not miss contact with them. Um, but is the, is the original similarly repellent, or is it just fucking Adam that's the problem? Well, here's the reason that the Counting Crows version is my last place song, One Point. The Psychedelic Furs version of this song is fantastic. Hmm. It's so beautiful, and they've built this really lovely mid-80s pop wash around it. The lead vocal, you know, it's the same guy that's singing lead on the song Pretty in Pink, speaking of soundtracks for teen okay. films. It's so good, and it's such a, like, tender, heartbreaking, right up there with orchestral maneuvers in the dark, if you leave type song. Sure. And then that makes this an actual fucking art crime. I mean, you've already touched on the, some of the big problems. Let's start with Adam Duritz's so-called vocal. <laughs> Counting Crows is a band that... I, I've, along with Ed Kowalczyk of the band Live, I don't think there was a more self-consciously mannered rock singer in the 90s than Adam Duritz. Mm. He's just like, why not just make it all whiny oh, and I yeah. can emote some more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and people fucking step for Michael Bolton all the time. And they're like, why are you over-singing? And I'm like, you know what? Before you cast a stone at Mr. Bolton, take another look at someone else with some whack-ass hair. And that is Adam Duritz just making me just cringe. And I have a soft spot for the song Mr. Jones because I was in high oh. school when that came out. I bought the album August and everything after. The song Anna Begins, great song. I actually do think it's like the one time that sun shined on this dog's ass. <laughs> <laughs> but I really, really do not like the Counting Crows because they are the most self-serious band. They have a fucking song called A Murder of One, which is about being the only crow left in your flock. And it's just the most ham-fisted oh, approach to poetry. No, so, no, 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 <laughs> no. So furthermore, no. So then you get to the ghost in you where they it was recorded live. And so you can just imagine how earnest this concert was in fucking Boulder, Colorado. Oh, God. With the wallflowers playing you in. <laughs> Seriously, fuck. And uh, it was a dark it, time. 
it's just, it is so actively unpleasant to hear this and to know how much life there was in the original and to hear what has been done. All I can say is you better be glad that this doesn't go below last. Yeah, it, it, I, I fucking hate this song so much, uh, this rendition of this song so much. Blah. Um, now, shockingly, perhaps not shockingly, the patrons pretty much agreed with me. They put it in 13th place, which is the anti-bronze, if you will. Yeah. And so it's three points from them. Sarah, how about you? 14th, two points. <laughs> like you said about um, Shake Some Action, if you're doing worse than the fucking Counting Crows. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is how boring you have. Like, at least I had a reaction to the Counting Crows song. It was, uh, you know, hives, but at least something <laughs> happened in my heart. <laughs> and, you know, if you don't have no doubt on your CD, to go from Kids in America to these two songs, you could be forgiven for not getting to the other good songs on this soundtrack, frankly. Yeah. And the next one, I think, is Are You, are you Done? I am exorcising the the, I, the demons have been exercised. So yes, go go okay. to our next track. Um, it is the uh, track by Luscious Jackson. It's the squirrel mix of a song called Here. Um, total chair dancer. I love this reimagining. Um, it made me want to hear an entire album of um, of Luscious Jackson tracks remixed by like DJ Tawate from mm. um, from uh, Help Me. Delight. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Ugh, like I could, I could come up with all the the component people in Delight, and then somehow could not pull Delight. Uh, I I really like this song. It's like got Blondie vibes, but not. Sometimes Luscious Jackson can be a little like derivative of like Lady Punk from the late seventies. Um, but sometimes they just re- really like hit it true. Uh, and that's the case here. So, so we don't have a clip, but super enjoyable song. And uh, it's my fourth place song with 12 points. Oh, shit. Yeah. And for those of you who have been longtime listeners, you might recall that one of our very, very, very first episodes of this show was about Luscious Jackson's Naked Eye. I think it was episode two. Woo, right child. in between Heavy D and Madonna. Jesus. <laughs> what I remember about recording that episode about Madonna, number three for the song Get Together was at the time he said, episode three, I'm surprised it took us this long. I actually am. Sometimes I have to check and I'm like, episode three? Is what this even doing? our podcast? <laughs> um, I really also enjoy this song. And it's worth noting that this soundtrack came out before the release of Naked Eye, which is the song that really broke Luscious Jackson. I mean, they weren't ever superstars, but they became much more famous after Fever In, Fever Out, that album with mm-hmm. Naked Eye on it was released. So good on you, Clueless, for getting us to Luscious Jackson early. I really like this song, too. I feel like it's sort of the best of rave culture. Mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> um, and it really is a testament to how much I like a lot of songs on this soundtrack, because I really do like this and would never skip it. But it's 10th for me. Huh. And that's uh, sixth place. Uh, six points, I mean. Tenth place, six points. And the patrons, not as besotted. Twelfth um, place in a tie for twelfth place with four points. I mean, I can see that for some people, this is kind of like audio wallpaper and, you know, it's a little bit of a who cares. I can see that. It just like, I don't know, I was really into it. 
on this on this listening journey. And uh, so, yeah, that's where I am. Listen, I and on another day, this might actually move way up in my rankings, you know, because, again, I do like it. Um, well, we do have a clip, I believe, that you pulled, Sarah, of our next track, which is the World Party cover of Mott the Hoople's All the Young Dudes, a song written explicitly for Mott the Hoople by one David Bowie. Hmm. Um, it makes much more sense now that, like, my first note on this song was like, this doesn't sound like World Party. And, uh, I mean... It, it does like it's clearly him so world party is one guy by the way uh, basically um and it like it's clearly him singing but it doesn't have that world party vibe and i went back and forth on whether or not that's a good thing um anyway i've i did pull a clip so let's hear that and then i'd like to hear your take on the song mark mm-hmm. television man is crazy World Party was one of those artists that, like, the music press was always telling you, like, it's the next Captain Beefheart. And I'm like, they're <laughs> like one Captain Beefheart was probably three too many, in my opinion. Um, I think World Party did have a couple of great songs that I'd valiantly put on mixtapes for like three years before realizing everybody was just skipping them. <laughs> so it's like, okay, th- this is just going to be me with Way Down Now, which I think is a good song. AMA. But this is trying to be so many other things. It's like someone threw D- like David Bowie and Lenny Kravitz and um, John Lennon, like late, quiet John Lennon in a blender. And what came out was like, well, this is too much salt. I, I don't know. It just doesn't. I can't quite get a grasp on why all of these disparate things that I like, once they're all in one place, I'm like, eh, platypus? Like, I, it's just not really working for me. So that's why I pulled a clip. Maybe you have some insight. And did you know the original? I didn't, but I did seek it out and listen to it. And um, it, it just, like, makes more sense. It makes more sense. Like, I don't love it or need to hear it again. It just makes more sense. This just feels like, I don't know. Let's put the bathtub in the front hall. Like, why are yeah. we do- Why are we doing that? <laughs> you know, it's, it's also so obvious that this song has inspired many, many other songs because it sounds like, I, it sounds like so many songs. Like, I think right on the tip of my tongue, what that clip even that you pulled sounds like. It's like all anthemic rock songs Mm -hmm. sound like this yeah there's oasis that this sounds like there's hey jude that this sounds like hey jude is definitely one of them which came before all the young dudes there's um there's like uh changes that it sounds like there's um it also really sounds like midnight radio from hedwig and the angry inch Mm -hmm. which is a compliment i love that song so 
For me, World Party also, he used to be in a band called The Water Boys, which is this uh, UK band that has this fucking wonderful song called Hole of the Moon. Mm-hmm. But that's a topic for another day. Uh, but uh, this song is fine to me. It's another one of those middle of the rotors where I'm like, yeah, fine. I actually kept vacillating between this, the Luscious Jackson song, and another song that we'll get to right later. They were all sort of in the same cluster for me. Mm -hmm. So I put this song in ninth place with seven points. And I'm thinking now, why did I put Shakes in Action above all of these songs? I honestly do not know. I think now that we've talked about it, if I could go back, I would probably put Shakes in Action below all of these, but can't do it now, so it's fine. Um... But they're all just sort of part of the middle. I find this song perfectly pleasant. Uh, I think that the self-conscious references to 70s bands like T-Rex actually mm-hmm. are kind of charming. Okay. I disagree. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's just because I was never around. I wasn't alive for when these bands were popular the, the first time. So it's like, eh, fine. Um, yeah. But so where did you where did you end up ranking this one? Uh, 11th, five points, which is like... Mm lower than i actually feel like the song again is fine and i am not like angry i just found it frustrating that world party is a little just wants you to believe that it's cerebral but it also Mm -hmm. wants you to rock out and it's like why don't you just calm down sir (laughs) by the way the song that you mentioned all the way down was a number one hit on alternative rock radio in the united states Mm. okay so it wasn't just you But that being said, yeah, I feel like this is all I ever will have to say about all the young dudes, no matter how many times Rolling Stone insists that it's one of the 100 best songs ever written or whatever the Uh, fuck. Yeah. Okay. Shut up, Rolling Stone. Just because David Bowie wrote it doesn't mean it came from then Angel. This is, uh, well, yeah, this is also a publication that described PJ Harvey with the phrase arty dissonant flailing. (laughs) Yeah. I'm still angry. This was 25 years ago. 25 years. I'm still mad about that phrase. I also remember quite clearly that the guy who reviewed Lucinda Williams' Car Wheels on a Gravel Road wanted to give that album a perfect five stars, but was told he couldn't because Lucinda Williams had not proven herself. Wow. And it's like, what the fuck? Gross. Anyway. Uh, turns out, just because you've got the most power in the biggest platform doesn't mean you're always right. No. Note it down. No. Well, anyway, moving on, that brings us to Radiohead's acoustic cover of their acoustic version of their song, Fake Plastic Trees. And I believe we have a clip for this, too. Do we not? We do. Let's hear it now. It wears me out. It wears me out. I didn't remember hearing any version of this song before. I, I must have. Um, and I know that this and like Radiohead as an entity was selected for like ironical 
like sad college boy rock reasons, which are made explicit in the dialogue of the movie. But there was something about hearing this for the first time and then being like, oh, like, first of all, I think that perhaps we as a culture do not appreciate Tom York's vocal instrument enough. Mm -hmm. And second of all, this was such a perfect uh, evocation of that moment when you've had your heart is broken and you've had one too many glasses of wine. And this is what you're sort of muttering to yourself as you cry yourself to sleep, uh, is this song. Um, for some people, that will be a um, sort of bittersweet, charming thing. Uh, for other people, that will be uh, repellently sentimental and cloying. I don't think either interpretation is wrong, but I was quite struck by this song and glad that I had interacted with it. And it is my fifth place song, 11 points. Listen, you're going to get no argument from me. I can remember very clearly hearing this song for the first time when I was living in Brooklyn. So I was out of graduate school. This was probably around 2006. It, a friend who came over to visit played it for me because I mentioned I hadn't heard it. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, oh my God, this song is so beautiful and powerful. And I had inter internalized the idea that Radiohead was uh, a band that had its head up its own ass and was really only intended to be listened to by people who were suspicious of songs that had hooks. <laughs> and I was proven wrong in the case of this song because I think this song is great. And it, it is number seven for me, which mm -hmm. is uh, nine points. But I will say that all seven of my top seven songs on this countdown are songs that I really, really like. Yeah, same here. And uh, so being in seventh place is really just because there are just some other songs that I thought, for reasons we'll get into, spoke to the spirit of the film a little bit more specifically. Because you're right that this is definitely the Paul Rudd character college boy sad rock mm -hmm. but it's still such a beautiful good song and i'm not mad to ever ever hear this I, mean, I, I will definitely hear this again and happily so so seventh place for me nine points same exact ranking from the patrons so a good showing all around for tom york at all yeah i'll say now next we have the song change which was a top 15 single in the uk for a group called the Lightning Seeds. And the Lightning Seeds, Sarah, are in a unique position of being a complete alt-rock band that has nevertheless managed to become the soundtrack to UK football fandom. <laughs> okay. Because they, they recorded this song called Three Lions with these two comedians when the UK was doing really well in football, the football finals or soccer finals in the late 90s. And it has since gone on to be number one on three different occasions in three different years when the UK was doing quite well in the World Cup, I think, three different times. So they're like a really unlikely band to be the soundtrack to sports because uh -huh. they are such a... They're like they're just a melodic, beautiful, airy, alt-pop band. And for those of you who do not know the music of the Lightning Seeds... I didn't really know it until I would say three or four years ago, even though they were making hits in the 80s. It is, I think, wonderful music. Uh, 
There's a song called Pure that I think is just sensational. There's a song called The Life of Riley. Uh, Actually, those two songs, along with the aforementioned Waterboy song, Hole of the Moon, inspired me about a year ago to create a Spotify playlist that I call A Lovely Alternative, which is alternative rock that's very pleasant on the ears. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Very smart of me, I know. (laughs) Um, So all of that being said, Change by the Lightning Seeds really epitomizes their sound. And you will either like this or you won't. And Sarah, I will acknowledge that this song is one click away from being the theme song to a 90s teen series that we hear on top of a montage of kids having fun in a pool or whatever. But I don't care. I love it. It's my fourth place song, 12 points. I was scared that based on some... um... based on some doomy references at the top of this episode, that (laughs) this was going to be a song that you pulled a clip of because you hated it. I'm very relieved that that is not the case. This chord progression and synth boost is just, this song mashes every single one of my pop music pleasure center buttons at once. Uh, I was like literal hands in the air waving like I just don't care just now because I don't. The end of the song is weird. It's not perfect, but I don't give a shit. Number one, bitch, 15 points. Yes. I love this song so much. I love this song. Oh and my I had God, forgotten so well, Sarah- that it was coming. So it like came up in the, and I was like, oh, you. I was like so happy to reunite with it. So <laughs> I love it. Hello, old friend. Um, If you do not know it, do treat yourself to their songs, Pure and The Life of Riley, then, because if you don't know them already, you will love them. Excellent. They sound like lovely alternatives. Oh, they are. Thank you for that callback. Available for compliments only at talksongs, talkaboutsongs <laughs> at gmail.com. Um, now, I'm going to guess that the patrons just didn't know this song very well. That's how I'm going to excuse the fact that it's oh. a tie for 12th place <gasps> um, with four points. Patrons. I'm just kidding. I, I'm not surprised at all. Oh, well, I'm glad that we agree on this, Sarah, because, whew, yeah, pleasure button's mashed. Mm-hmm. Now, next, we've got Smoking Popes, the only hit that they ever had. This song actually did chart in the lower section of the top 40 on the alt-rock charts in America. So this was something of a hit single from this soundtrack, as these things go, here in the United States. Here is a clip that I have pulled of the song Need You Around by Smoking Popes.
So, Sarah, did you did you know this song or remember the song? And if so, what was your response? I did remember this song. I when I was uh, on the my so called life list list serve a gazillion years ago. Um, I was someone who was available to make copies of the listy mixtape. Um, and occasionally when someone would just send me like a self-addressed stamped envelope and a blank tape, and I would run off the copy and then mail it back to them. And occasionally someone would include a mixtape for me as like a, mm. you know, just a thank you. And one of those mixtapes was outstanding and introduced me to a lot of music, including this song. Um, I am fond-ish of this song for that reason. It's very of its time, like generally, but also for me, like remembering being in my apartment on 58th Street and like jumping around to this while I was getting ready. Um, but there's not a ton to the song. It's sort of like droney a little bit and not there's not a ton of terrain in it, I don't find. Um, but it, I don't know, like it, I have fond feelings towards it while also acknowledging that if it weren't for having been on a mixtape that I listened to until it literally broke, that it might rank lower, but it's dead in the middle for me. Eight points. Okay. You're very, very similar to the patrons who put this song in ninth place and gave it seven points a tie for ninth place and gave it seven points. Well, Sarah, here's where we get to the part where I surprised myself because this is my number one. Really? I was not anticipating that. I this would is... never have guessed that. Never. Yeah. This is the song I have kept coming back to. I keep thinking about it. I, w I, I have to hear it again oh. so that I can scratch the itch. This does of not seem like again. Mark Nip at all. This is fascinating. I know. You could describe this song to me on paper and I would never think I would love it. But in practice, I just think this song is sensational. One of the things that I love about it that I wanted to illustrate in the clip that I pulled is, I mean, musically, I do hear your point that it, in a way it isn't dynamic, but then one of the things I found so surprising about it is that in the lead up to him singing the phrase, I need you around the phrases that he sings immediately before that line keep changing. Mm -hmm. uh, so like he'll, he'll, he's got the long extended note at the beginning of that clip before you hear, I need you around. And then before we hear it the second time in the clip, he's like, it's short staccato phrases. And so there's a certain type of spontaneous thought that I hear referenced in this song. It's, it, it's, it's like he's just singing what he feels in the moment, but there maybe wasn't a plan. And I really respond to that. There's something about that that just feels emotionally very honest to me. I find the rhythm of the song very exciting. I find the melody of the song very exciting. I think his voice is exactly right in terms of it is the it is the good version of what Adam Duritz is. Mm -hmm. It is it's a mannered vocal, but it doesn't get in the way of the storytelling of the song. Well, and this is just and, someone who you get the feeling it's like, well, someone has to sing and no one really yeah. wanted to. And he's just like, he's not off key. And that's the best that you can hope for sometimes with bands like this. Yes. And smoking popes never had another hit song. They have really vanished from the cultural memory, mm -hmm. but I am so glad that this song is on this soundtrack. I'm so glad it exists again. It is my number one. That is crazy. Yeah, I know. Like, where'd the I, patrons put it again? 
Oh, they put it in ninth, in a tie for ninth. Oh, okay. So, but here we are, just like living our truths. I, I need to smoke with a pope. Yeah, I guess. I need to seed <laughs> some lightning. Um, you do, you do get struck by lightning. And then it'll, that fire that it kicks off will light my cigarette as I'm smoking with a pope. <laughs> and will give me a mullet. Which is a great segue into our next song, which we don't have a clip of, uh, Mullet Head by the Beastie Boys. This is like the kind of song that was fun to jump around to late night when you were just like study giddy before comps. But I'm I'm all set. And I'm not a huge like I'm not a huge Beasties guy, I have to confess. Like, I, I think a lot of it is a little I think it's overrated a lot of it and. I'm kind of tired of having to pretend like everything spit by by this uh, by this group is gold. So um, this was twelfth place for me, four points. I found this song actively unpleasant to listen to. Mm. The only reason it's not last place is that it is not desecrating the memory of a better song. Of, of a, it is not desecrating <laughs> the memory of an excellent song like the Cannon Crows. Uh, but it is it is a failed experiment from the BC boys to try to make something that's thrashing and hardcore. I agree with you that the Beastie boys have some good songs, mm-hmm. but they're not all good songs and brass monkeys. Not that good. Sorry no. about it. No, sorry about it. Sabotage is good. Mullet head is not. I put this in 14th place, two points and Fair. the patrons put it in very dead last place with one point. Oh, I'm sorry, damn. Sarah, could you tell me you, you put this in what place again? 12th. Well, four points. Yeah, that's going to be a hard pass from us mm. on yield mullet head. Yeah. <laughs> I just well, I don't understand what it's doing here. Yeah. But OK, fine. I think I may have overrated it, but uh, y'all took care of the uh, the law of averages caught up to uh, old mullet head. <laughs> like, and just because you can experiment with a sound, it doesn't mean you should. Yeah. Well, next we've got, again, the Clueless soundtrack delivering as a group before their breakthrough mainstream hit. This is the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones with Where'd You Go? We do not have a clip of this. Just think of the song, The Impression That I Get. That is the big hit that they had. This sounds like a blueprint for that song. But Sarah, I think that when you compare this song to Just a Girl, you get the darker side of Ska. You get the sad side of Ska. You get the bad side of Ska. I think this song is bad. I think it is trying too hard. It is overwrought. It sounds muddy. It never sounds anything but effortful. Uh, I put it in 13th place and gave it three points. It benefited in my rankings for being more interesting than I remember, but that's really not saying a lot. Um, This kind of sort of um, Epcot ska, for lack of a better term, like Save Ferris and all of them, Mm -hmm. is not something I need. Um, To revisit it and remember that um, the culture was trying to tell us that we needed ska and we were not listening, as it turns out, (laughs) is, is interesting. I think this is a signature song of the soundtrack. Um, and I don't, and the, like, I think the signature riff is good. Like, I think it's memorable, um, but it's just kind of fine for me. Right. Like a, this is not one that I'm going to be like, Oh, the clueless soundtrack. Let's listen to that first. So let's seventh zip pl- on over. Yeah. Seventh place, nine points. 
I was surprised that the patrons put this all the way up in fifth. Hmm. Like, I don't pretend to understand it, but that's... Yeah, that's a weird... I would think they would either rank it way higher or way lower. Interesting. Okay. But you know what? Godspeed. Um, what was the song that Say Ferris covered? Come on, Eileen? Uh, maybe. I think that that was the reason I knew them, is that they did a cover of Come on, Eileen. Anyway. Okay, next we get to a song that I think Sarah is the song that is most benefited by my association with the movie Clueless. Mm-hmm. I agree. This is Rollin' With My Homies by Coolio. I put the emphasis on the word my because hilariously in the movie, Ty and Ethan get it wrong and they mm-hmm. say Rollin' With The Homies and I just assumed that that's what the song was called until I was preparing for this episode. Same. And I was like, wait, he... He never says the homies. Oh shit. (laughs) Yeah. I think we also forget just like, I think we forget everything but that one phrase and the hand gesture. Yep. Which is a shame. Let's hear a clip. Everybody forgets what what an easygoing, fun, like cruising hip hop joint this is. It's like that juicy bass is just all day, all day, all night, all the next day. It's just like it's a it's the weekend in a song. Yep. I love it. I want to go sit in the sun and listen to it right now. I'll be back in three and a half minutes. Until then. Third place, 13 points. It's the shit. Yes. Good job, Coolio. And one of the things that I think is shocking is I looked up Coolio's Greatest Hits album, and this song isn't on it. Huh. Okay. Which mystifies me because, quite frankly, I feel like this, it, with the possible exception of Gangsta's Paradise, which is, of course, also from a film soundtrack, mm-hmm. this might be the song that the most people know by Coolio because of that scene in Clueless. Yeah. Well, I agree with you. I think this song is dope. It is so enjoyable. Coolio's flow on this song is really good. Yeah. Like I said, every song in the top seven for me a, in my ranking is a song I can't wait to hear again. This is my sixth place song mm-hmm. uh, with 10 points. And also the patrons gave it 10 points in sixth place. Hmm. A strong showing from Mr. Coolio. Okay. I'm very curious to know, Sarah, what you think about the song All Right by Supergrass. Well, look, this is one of those we used to be alternative. Now we're scoring allergy medication ads things like it's fine for a montage of a golden retriever running around in butterflies while someone is, you know, not having allergies. Um, It is not necessary to my life on its own. Um, 
this also, Supergrass is also showed up on that mixtape I was talking about before. Different track, but Supergrass always kind of felt like poor man's Blur to me, which is still mm-hmm. still pretty good. Like, I like Blur. So this was fine, and I am all set, but 10th place, six points. Yeah, so we're very much in keeping on this then, because I could not remember i i couldn't remember this song for the life of me i tried this morning before we recorded i listened to it twice i still cannot sing it to you yeah I, it just slides right off my brain mm-hmm. it was a number two hit in the uk yeah that sounds about right so but you're right like in the blur era this is of course the type of song that was going to do well but what surprises me the most is that the patrons put it in third place All right, Ron, if you're within the sound of our voices, we know you are. If you, like, reset your cookies so that you could vote for this more than once, (laughs) I win a dollar in a bet with myself. I just feel like that's what happened. No shade. (laughs) No tea, no shade, no pink lemonade, but Mm -mm. we do smell a stunt. But yeah, I mean, this one, this was just not for me. It doesn't really say much to me. I won't remember it tomorrow. I can't remember it now. Um, Now, next we've got a song by the unfortunately named band Velocity Girl. No, brother. It is called My Forgotten Favorite. It is forgotten, but it is not my favorite. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Sarah, why are the vocals on this song mixed so badly? Um... It's like Kelly Deal fell head down into a ball pit at McDonald's. (laughs) This is the entirety of my notes. I think I added in the margin poor man's Bowery Electric, which was already poor man's belly. Like I (laughs) am struggling to even care. But yeah, 13th place, three points. Like I'm almost insulted at how shittily this is edited. You're totally right. But I don't care enough to be angry. It's just boring. Uh, Absolutely. I put it in 12th place, four points. Even that feels like I ranked it too high. (gasps) Snoozo-rama. The patrons put it in in 14th place and gave it a mere two points. So nobody from this song is going home with a trophy tonight. Yeah, this dishonor platform is definitely looking looking like a lock. (laughs) It's looking like a stank. It's a Mm. stank platform. Oh my God, this song is just bad. (laughs) It just makes me mad because I'm like, you recorded this on a, in a studio, right? Like there were professionals there. Yeah. And this is how it fucking sounds. Well, and also just don't be named Velocity Girl. Like this is absolutely a band name that I would have been like, cool. Like sort of jealous that I would never have a band and be able to name it that. And then I would turn 24 and be like, Oh yeah, no, that's not it. (laughs) That's not it at all. Quite frankly. Now velocity girl sounds like the name of some sort of quasi feminist running group (laughs) where everyone has to wear the same pink t-shirt. Uh huh. And everyone's like, oh, my God, hashtag Velocity Girl. Oh, my God, hashtag Velocity Girl. Then we're going to go out for hashtag Velocity Brunch. Oh, my God, I've never drunk a martini so fast. (laughs) Wow. Uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> it sounds to me like a, a zine that had like two issues. <laughs> yes, also that. Yeah. And of course, the cover of the first issue of Velocity Girl, the zine, was a pen and ink fan drawing of Tori Amos. <laughs> Making out with Florence Griffith Joyner. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and I mean, I say this as a as an avowed Tori Amos fan, but oh my god! Yeah, I I just feel like it's either a like you go girl TM like Spencer Gifts T shirts running group, or it's like <laughs> extremely like you go on eBay to search for Velocity Girl lesbian erotica, and one <laughs> issue is five hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> 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 and it comes mailed to you inside an old frosted flakes box yes oh god with newspapers okay. from like the 80s anyway moving along to a song that i certainly like a hell of a lot more than that i even pulled a clip this is supermodel as performed by jill sobule I may have ranked this too low. Um, it is over-engineered and such an earwig that I like I kind of don't like it because now it's gonna be stuck in my head again, as it has <laughs> been hot but on for two weeks. Um, but I sort of respect I respect the following things about it a great deal. First of all, it's longevity and that it does worm its way into your head. Um, how it became in like a kind of annoying montage shorthand for an entire time in pop music that it was like this um post riot girl buffy style um like i said before spencer gifts feminism um i i kind of enjoy that and i also really enjoy the most possibly of all the songs aspects the open pettiness and plotting for vengeance against popular people <laughs> like yes we've all we've all been there we've all had um we've all had these locker door um like fanfics that we write about ourselves in another timeline uh i just like there's something about a pop song that's like i am trying to become famous and beautiful to make other people feel like shit. That's <laughs> like, that's pretty dark and not something you're really supposed to admit to. And uh, <laughs> I have those thoughts hourly. So well done. Um, so again, in retrospect, probably should have ranked this higher, but it, it has my respect and admiration, even though it is only in ninth place with seven points. Mm hmm. 
I will say that because this is our last song, I was able to see where you were going with your ranking because there was only one slot left. <laughs> um, now, I read, and I know you read too, an article with the woman who assembled this soundtrack who said that she felt perhaps she had helped end Jill Sobule's career because this song followed um, I Kissed a Girl and she was concerned that it maybe made Jill Sobule seem like someone who only sang novelty songs. Mm-hmm. But you know what? If those are the only two songs that you're known for, good on you. Well, and I if think you got that, two novelty songs, it's two more than most people get. So good for you. Yeah, like Bree Sharp only had that one David Duchovny song. You got a second one. Uh huh. But I think that this song is great, and I learned that um, even though Jill Sobule did not write it, she did add the spoken word bridge about not eating so she could be a supermodel, mm-hmm. and. I love that because it just adds a little acidity to the track, which is like you were saying, yeah. it's already there because she's just guaranteed to try to ruin the lives of the pretty yeah. people around her. Yeah, but then she also has that um, sort of Joey Lauren Adams bubble gumminess to her her vocal timbre. So you, you definitely need some um, bitterness. <laughs> and she she brings it in the lyric for sure. You just referenced Joey Lauren Adams. It, w- welcome to the 90s distilled. Yeah, d- and didn't even have to reach for the name. Delight? No idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> Chasing Amy? Fucking Joey Lauren Adams. Right there. I don't know if you remember that there was once a fame tracker, two stars, one slot with her and Renee Zellweger. Yes. Yeah, I do remember yeah. that. <laughs> I, I think we know who Welcome won that Welcome to high one, school, but... honey. She was getting dazed and confused. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I love this song. It's really fun. I also think it does a great job, just like Kids in America, honestly, of sounding like Clueless to me. Mm-hmm. It definitely does. It's fun and energetic, but also knowing. And that is Clueless. Yeah. That's really well put. Um. So... Both the patrons and I put Supermodel in second place, giving it 14 points from both of us. So a very strong showing for Jill Sobule. And uh, these ranking, these final point totals are going to be crazy. Deranged. uh, I am so excited. If you want to vamp for a minute, I can work out actually the ranking of every song. I've got about half of it done. Okay. I think I've got this right. Okay, here we go. I might have made a mistake somewhere in the middle, but it's fine. It's just the middle. It's it just matter. the middle. Okay, hands down, our most dishonored song, last place with a mere six points, is Adam Duritz's Abomination, The Counting Crows, <laughs> The Ghost in You. I am comfortable not, no longer counting any crows. Yes, exactly. Um, next in penultimate place uh the the bullshit silver i guess we could call it that is mullet head by the beastie boys with a i think almost too high seven points Mm, yeah probably (laughs) and with the bullshit bronze in 13th place with nine points is my forgotten favorite by your zine favorite and mine running club champion velocity girl Mm mm-hmm 
Now, uh, then we have a tie for 12th place. Both of these songs got 16 points. So that's a pretty big leap up from the nine points that our third place, negative third place got. Sure. Uh, so tied for tied for 12th is Shake Some Action and All the Young Dudes. Mm-hmm. And then in 10th place, jumping all the way from 16 points to 22 points with uh, in 10th place is Here by Luscious Jackson. Justice for Jackson. Come on. And then, oh, inexplicably to me, but we've already, my case has been made already. In ninth place with 23 points is Where'd You Go by the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Uh, eighth place is All Right by Supergrass with uh, 24 points. Seventh place, jumping all the way up to 29 points, is Fake Plastic Trees, acoustic version by Radiohead. Okay. And I think it's actually quite telling that all six of our top six songs got 30 points or more. That's really mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Uh, so in sixth place with 30 points is Need You Around by Smoking Popes, absolutely carried by my giving it 15 <laughs> points. Uh-huh. In fact, I gave it half of its points all by myself. Um, then in fifth place, I'm happy to report, Sarah, with 31 points, we've got Change by The Lightning Seeds. Aw. In fourth place, with 33 points, is Coolio's Rollin' With My Homies. Fourth place? Shocking. I know. And then, because we are who we are, it's all women in the top three. Yeah. Uh, Third place, with 35 points, is Supermodel. Okay. Second place, with 36 points, is Kids in America. And... Y'all, we tried to tell you to put it on the soundtrack. In first place with 39 points is Just a Girl. Yes. yes. I feel like that actually does bring justice to the exclusion of that song. I think it does. I wasn't sure how it was going to go. I thought maybe, and even for myself, I thought maybe like, oh, I've heard that song too much. I'm sick of it. But like, I don't know. A lot of these songs have really benefited for me from like being revisited and sort of picked apart in the style that we do this podcast. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Oh, actually this is, this is a great song. Why has this held up? Why is the soundtrack still so good? So this has been utterly enjoyable. Like I, um, did not have to experience loathing in the way that Mark did versus (laughs) the counting crows, but yeah, more or less like, I feel like there's a higher proportion of shit usually in these rankings that were just like, ugh. But this is a pretty good soundtrack still. Recommend. Highly recommend. And if you have HBO Max, go watch the movie too. You're going to enjoy it. Yeah, it's it holds up as well. And it's so pretty. So, so pretty. Like a supermodel. It's a total Betty. Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship, that's me, and Sarah D. Bunting. That's me. I also edit the podcast, which is a proud member of the Believe Network. 
Learn more at BLEAV.com. To learn more about us, submit song requests, get a pop chart reading, or buy a Mastis book, visit our website at MarkAndSarahTalkAboutSongs.com. You'll also find all of our social media links there, too. That's Mark and Sarah, with an H, TalkAboutSongs.com. And for even more content and access to the Mastass Happy Hour, become a Patreon supporter at Patreon.com slash Mastass. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.